time really taking that in when you begin to think about it yet it's the reality of what the scripture tells us the reality of who God is it reminds me again thinking of uh, the psalmist looking at the stars the moon and the stars that God created and saying what is man that thou art mindful of him and uh, you know it's a great reality isn't it I want to turn to 1 Corinthians and chapter 2 and I want you to think about this you don't have to answer it out loud but I'll pose a question as you're turning to 1 Corinthians and chapter 2 and I'll ask the question for you to think about in relation to the passage that we'll be looking at and some other things in scripture what is the first major requirement for a person to be able to understand the Word of God and spiritual things. I want you just to think about that just for a moment. If, in fact, God has revealed himself, not only in the creation around us, according to Romans chapter 1, even the invisible things of him are clearly seen from the things that he has made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that we are without excuse because God has so clearly revealed himself in creation. But um, we have what we refer to, what, are, what is referred to sometimes, general revelation, like creation. But we also have specific revelation. God has been more specific in not only uh, given himself in general revelation, but in special revelation, such as his word. So he's given us his word. And um, I felt a little off-center there. So he's given us his word as well, by, and that's what we call special revelation. But what is the first requirement or one of the most essential requirements for us to be able to understand the things of God? Now, sometimes... People think, well, in order to understand the Word of God, the first thing I have to do is maybe go to a Bible school or maybe, you know, later go to some sort of theological place to learn truth. But I want to tell you that there's a lot of people, this is one of the things that used to puzzle me when I first came to know Christ as Savior, how come there are these very well-educated people, some of them very religious people, who've had massive amounts of training in theological places, but they don't know the basic elements of God's word. They didn't know the basic way of salvation. They didn't know some of the things that we may know basically. And it, it kind of seemed incongruous to me that you could have these highly intellectual, educated people who had trained themselves in religious things, but they didn't know the basic, basics of Scripture. It used to puzzle me. So let me read to you, and you can read along in 1 Corinthians in chapter 2, and I'm going to drop down to verse 14, and then I might back up a verse or two, and the, and the translation I'm reading from says, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. They're foolishness unto him. Now, if you haven't run across it already, you will in life. You're at a stage, most of you in life, where you're approaching a certain level of 
education, you're approaching a certain level of life, and you're going to be running into people. Some of them may be highly intellectual people, very well-educated people. If you communicate to them the very basic truths of God's word, such as who God's son is and the gospel of Jesus Christ, some of them will just think you're the dumbest thing to ever land on this planet. They'll think you're uneducated. They'll think you're backwards. They'll think you're following some sort of fables. It's just foolishness to them. The natural person, uh, Hunter, what is yours? Does yours say the same thing in First Corinthians two fourteen? Mine says natural man. What does yours say? Natural man. Natural man. Any of you guys? Yes. The man without the spirit, devoid of the spirit of God. So the first thing that's necessary in order to understand the word of God is to have God's spirit. Because if you look at the verse that precedes that, it says, um, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 12, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So as a believer, according to Romans 8 9, if any man has not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. You, you have the right equipment to know even the deep things of God if you're a believer. First requirement, you must be saved, you must trust Christ as Savior, and when you're saved, God gives you His Spirit and gives you the right equipment to be able to know spiritual things. Now, years ago, a uh, long time ago in a galaxy far away, I was uh, in another phase of life uh, after I was saved. I worked in radio for a while, and uh, I worked at a Christian radio station for a number of years. And it was a fascinating thing to me because I learned a lot about uh, broadcasting and radio and, and, and in a lot of different um, aspects other than just, you know, talking into a microphone and doing production work and other things that one had to do in that particular field. But it really fascinated and intrigued me, still does. I can't fully wrap my mind around it, and I won't be able to adequately communicate it, but... You, you know what a prism is that divides light. You, you shine light through a prism. You can see the different colors as a prism is. In this room in which we're sitting right now, and how this is possible, again, the God of creation only could do this, but in the room in which we're sitting right now, in this air in which we're breathing, there are radio signals being transmitted on different frequencies that somehow don't collide with one another. They stay in a spectrum, like a prism. And each one travels in that particular range, if you will. And you say, well, I don't hear anything. You have to have the right equipment. If you take a radio, a receiver, you see, and you begin to turn that dial, you begin to pick up those signals that are bounced off of the stratosphere and back down to planet Earth, never colliding with one another in these separate layers, if you will, that are all right here around us right now. It's, it's kind of mind-boggling when you think about it. And the only thing you have to have is the right kind of equipment to be able to tune into those frequencies, and then you begin to pick up what's being 
out there right now transmitted, even though with the, just your bare ear you can't hear it. And I think of that in relation to, the ship, in relation to this passage, because this is God's truth, but he has given you, if you're a believer, the necessary equipment to be able to tune in to the right frequency, if you will, and understand the things of God. And understand the things of God. God has revealed these things unto us in verse 10. By his spirit, the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Now, back in the day, as we say sometimes, um, I used to listen to a lot of different kind of music back in the day. And I listened to it because I liked the, the song. Sometimes I liked the words. Sometimes I like, you know, the rhythm, whatever it was. And then every now and then one of my friends would come along and say, do you know what that song's about? And, he, and I'd say, no. And he'd say, well, that song was written, you know, and it portrays whatever it was, you know. I thought it was just a song, you know, somebody wrote something. But no, there was a deeper meaning to it. You ever read a book sometimes and you, you're kind of wondering, What's, in, what's the author trying to get at? I wish you were here where I could, you know, ask him. What, what were you trying to get at that? It's like um, I had a friend years ago. I know in some thinking, things like Lord of the Rings and all that's new stuff. It's just come out because, you know, been made movies in the past few years. But I'm talking 30, 35 years ago, believe it or not. I had a friend. He used to read Tolkien all the time. I'd read like three pages, you know. I'm lost. I don't have a clue. You know, I can't keep up with the characters and, you know, all this stuff to me was just, I couldn't figure it out. But he could tell you all the characters and everything like that. But you see, God, we know the author of the book if we're saved. God's given us his spirit. And we know the author of the book who explains the meaning of his word and the deep things of God to us which is an amazing thing. It's, a, it's one of the incredible things that is a valuable asset to us if we are believers in Christ. Now, having said that, um, the Lord generally, maybe an exception, I, I want to leave room for that, but he generally does not just um, sort of funnel that knowledge to you, um, you know, while you're sleeping at night. It's not a process of osmosis, you know, where you lay your Bible under your pillow and hopefully in the morning you begin to absorb, you know, you'll wake up and, ah, now I know the book of Galatians through and through because I slept on it last night and it seeped somehow into my brain. Uh, it's, it's not like that, you see. God's made it differently in his word. And so as we who are believers, if we know Christ as Savior, we've got to get into the book. And we've got to get into the book, and we've got to begin to, to interact with God through his word. That's really what we're doing. When you start digging into the word, and in this, the Bible stands different from any other book. I never went very far academically in school, which probably is fairly apparent to most people. But anyway, um, one thing that always helped me later in life after I got saved, I had always been a very good reader. I loved to read, and I had fairly good reading comprehension, and so that was a real asset to me. I read tons of books before I was saved, but, um, you know, 
I rarely, rarely ever read a book more than twice. Maybe if it was exceptional. I can't even think of a book I ever read three times. You know, I'm talking about any kind of secular work. Now, I can't tell you how many times I've read the Bible, and that's not anything I'm bragging about. It's just to say that this book, you know, occasionally I'm reading this book, and I've read that passage in there. I've read that letter, that epistle in the New Testament, 50 times, 75 times, 100 times, whatever, how many, many times. And just when you think you know, you know it, all of a sudden it's like something jumps off the page at you. It's almost like you're thinking, wow, I never saw that before. Haven't I read this before? And something new hits you. There's no other book like that is the living word of the living God. Now, having said that, I'm going to ask you another question, and you don't have to answer this one either. Don't you like those kind of questions where you don't have to answer? But you can answer in your mind and in your heart before God. What is your approach to coming to a better understanding of God's word? What's your method? It's like one guy said, he says, talking about, about a method of doing something, and the guy says, well... I don't like your method. And the guy says, well, what's your method? And he says, I really don't have a method. And the other fellow says, well, I think I'll stick with mine then, you know. So um, if, if you don't have a method, an approach. Now, having said that, there is no substitute for familiarizing yourself with the Scripture, just reading. That's a good thing. Just to get into the Word of God and read. You're not going to remember it all, you know, totally by memory and recall immediately, but you'll begin, you'll be surprised how much of it you'll begin to know God's truth and to learn more about God. And then I'm going to suggest to you this. Now, I used to say this, this is really old school, but it's like my, uh, my wife's sister told her grandson, I got you a tablet. He said, does it come with apps? She's like, no, it comes with a pen. It's a tablet. You know, he's seven. He's looking for an iPad. She's like, no, it's a tablet. You write on it. Oh. But I, <laughs> I used to say, you know, that the two most important tools besides your Bible and Bible study are a pen or a pencil and paper. Now, we have all kinds of electronic means of doing that today. You can do it on your phone. You can do it on a tablet. You can do it on a laptop. You can, you know, all, whatever way. But the point is, as you begin to get into the Word of God, you begin to observe things, observation. You're looking into the Word of God. You say, what am I looking for? Well, I'll give you one that is a surefire can't miss. I'm not going to guarantee you that if you go home this week and read the book of Ezekiel, you're going to be able to give us an exposition of that book, you know, by next Friday. I don't know that I could do that. I know I probably couldn't. But I'll guarantee you this. If you'll take a book like Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians, 1 Thessalonians, so on, and if you'll go in that book and you'll ask yourself first this question, what does this chapter have to say about Jesus Christ? What do I learn about Jesus Christ in this chapter? You'll not be disappointed. 
you'll be amazed at how much you begin to find. You may come to some chapters and really have to dig. You may come to other chapters and like, boom, you know, every verse, bam, there's another one, boom. And there's, you know, 10, 15 things about Christ in that chapter. But that's a very basic way of approaching the scripture to see what it has to say about God's son. You remember that, maybe you remember in, in the end of Luke's gospel when the resurrection occurred and he was walking down the Emmaus Road and those two people were with him and he, he opened up the scriptures and he began to speak of the th things concerning himself from the Old Testament, from the Psalms, from the prophets because they all speak about Christ. If you'll approach the scripture and then begin to record your thoughts in some fashion, I promise you, it will be a tremendous benefit and blessing and strengthening thing in your life. And then, if you want to move beyond that, there's all sorts of ways of approach to it you can do. You begin to look in that chapter of the Bible, what, what promises there are in there? What are the things I'm warned about in there? Is there any new truth there that I learn? Those kind of things. What's the most important verse in this chapter? Maybe what's the most important word in this chapter? And you begin to move through, not just in an academic fashion, but with a heart's desire and asking God to open your eyes, to be able to take in his truth, to be able to see his son. Is there anything in this chapter that that I need to obey? Is it telling me something that, that I should be doing in my life? Maybe I am doing it, maybe I'm not. Is there any blessing there that I see in this particular chapter of the Bible? It works really great in the New Testament. It's a little tougher when you get to most of the Old Testament books, but again, looking for God's Son. Because, you see, if you're a believer in Christ, He's given you the equipment. He's given you what you need to understand his word and to begin to grow more in the grace and in the knowledge of God's son, Jesus Christ. So I don't know what method you're using. Maybe you're not using anyone at all, but I want to suggest to you that you try that this week. You go home and get your Bible and you open up to whatever book it may be, New Testament or the Gospels. And you read that chapter, and you look and see what it has to say about God's Son. And then if you really find something that's great, share it with somebody else. Tell them what you found. Hey, I was reading the Gospel of John this week, and look what it had to say about God's Son. Because if you're a believer in Christ, one of our primary means of growing is through the word that God has given us and, and it's how we get to know God better and how he has revealed himself. Imagine that God has spoken to us and given us his truth in this book which is the unfolding of the very mind and the heart of God that has been given to us in a form we can pick up and read. You know, if God were calling to you from out in space and you were standing out here somewhere, you know, listening and God was speaking, I'm sure you'd want to hear what he had to say. But he has spoken and he's given us his word. And he's given us his truth and it can impact my life and change my life and, and, and begin to shape me and mold me and more into the image of God's son. 
I learn more and more about him. So it's just a little challenge there that's from God's word and also an encouragement to think of what it is that he has given to those of us who know him as Savior. I hope it will be a help to you. Let's look to him in a word of prayer.